I want to talk this morning about my own uh, COVID journey. That sounds like a weird way to end a preaching career, but I hope it is a blessing uh, to you. So let's ask God for his help and then I'll talk. Father, we love you. Uh, We're so grateful that despite our blemishes, despite our shortcomings, despite our um, neglect of you, our drift from you at times, that you love us. And you don't just love us because it's your job. You love us because each one of us is your craftsmanship, your workmanship. Each one of us is the result of your desire to make us. And unfortunately, we have in our DNA this legacy, this ancestral inheritance called sin. Doesn't matter the kind of home we're born into, we are heirs to sin. Doesn't matter the amount of money we have, we are heirs to sin. Doesn't matter how well we did or didn't do in school, we are heirs to sin. And if that was the end of the story, woe unto us. But you so loved the world, the people in it like me and all of us, that you gave your only son, you relinquished your only son, you appointed your only son to come and become just like us, become like his brothers, so that he could die for us. And we'll never get over that. As I've said many times, I would never do that. I would never offer my son for other people. But we are so grateful that you did. And I pray this morning that you would use me to be a blessing and encouragement and a challenge to folks here. And that uh, in the years ahead, from this platform, that would continue to be what takes place. A blessing, challenge, encouragement from your heart to our hearts as the people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, The big idea that I want to share with you this morning is that sometimes what interrupts our lives as a curse turns out to be a blessing. Sometimes what interrupts our lives as a curse turns out to be a blessing. Now the curse arrived in my life April 26th of this year. It was a Monday And I was clearing my throat a little bit more than normal and a little bit of a cough, but I didn't feel bad. I did have a question in the back of my mind. Hmm, I wonder if I'm getting sick. And of course, a year into COVID, I'm wondering if I'm getting COVID. That would have been the weekend of Secret Church. How many of you were here Friday night for Secret Church? 
So we were all together for about six hours of preaching. And then Sunday morning here at church, and then Sunday night, uh, I was part of a funeral for a good friend of mine, a pastor friend who had passed away. And there were a lot of people there. And so I thought, maybe I'm coming down with something Tuesday, it was kind of the same way. It wasn't really getting any worse. Wednesday was kind of the same way. And I'd talk with Betty about the possibility, am I getting COVID? And and my wife's the perennial optimist. No, no, you're not getting COVID. Um, And it didn't seem like it was getting any worse. But by Wednesday morning, I'm thinking, I'm not so sure. And we had a kind of a big day plan back in January or February. I had gotten an email from a man that I didn't know well, but it was an acquaintance who worked for a mission organization, uh, the mission organization, OMF. And he said, I hear you're retiring. He said, would you be interested in coming to work for OMF as a mobilizer? And so we had had three Zoom meetings online over the next several months. And that Wednesday, we had scheduled for Betty and I to go uh, to their home in York and meet with him and his wife for several hours to talk about uh, what it might look like. And because we were going to be in York, we had contacted our uh, nephew and his wife who live in York and said, hey, you want to get dinner together that evening? And so Wednesday morning, I'm thinking, ah, man, I still don't know if I'm getting sick. This is a bad idea. We went ahead with it. And that night, about one o'clock in the morning, I got awake and my legs and body were just throbbing. Uh, Terrible achiness. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. I, this doesn't look good. So Thursday morning, called the doctor. They uh, sent me to have a curbside COVID test. And Friday, we got back the results. I was positive. And that was also the day that Betty started feeling bad as well. And so it was the weekend that we were scheduled to uh, introduce Pastor Kyle as the elder's choice that we were presenting to the congregation to be my replacement, be the next preaching pastor. And so to introduce him and for me to be missing that Sunday, the optics weren't real good. And so we had arranged that I was going to do a, uh, because I had, had let Brandon know on Thursday, I said, there's no way I can preach on Sunday. And so we were going to do a Zoom um, call on Saturday that he was going to record that he was going to then play for the congregation on, on Sunday. Well, by Saturday, I didn't want to talk to anybody, even people I liked. Um, in fact, Betty and I was just quiet in the house. We didn't want to talk. And I, I told her, I said, you've got to call Pastor Brandon and say, I can't do this Zoom thing on Saturday. And so she did. So Saturday and Sunday, you know, we have both have headaches, uh, low-grade fever, um, achiness, um, Thankfully, neither of us had respiratory uh, issues, nor did we lose our taste or smell. So now we're into Monday, and Monday I get up and I'm nauseous. Like, ah, that's not good. And, you know, I've been blessed. um, Most of my adult life, I've been very healthy. Um, When I was a kid, it was normal for me to miss two, three weeks of school every year with sicknesses. And then I married my medicine. 
And within a couple years, I hardly ever got sick anymore. And the flu, I'd get the flu every now and then. It was rare. I probably got the flu once every six or eight years. It was that rare. But when I get nauseous, uh, Betty and I have a polar opposite response to it. She's like, I'm not going to throw up no matter what. It's just a matter of the will. I'm like, let's throw up and get this over with. Because <laughs> I'm going to feel better at least for a while. Well, I didn't throw up. I'm sorry if I'm grossing you out. <laughs> Part of my story. Uh, Tuesday came, still nauseous, didn't, didn't throw up. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, never threw up. And I had stopped eating. I just feeling so terrible. Saturday, Betty said, you've got to call the doctor. So I did and got a Zoom call with the doctor. They put me on an anti-nausea medicine, which somebody went and picked up for me, didn't work. And they tried another one, didn't work. By late Saturday afternoon, we're now almost two weeks into COVID, I think. And remember crawling out of the bathroom, not, just, not on my hands and knees, just on my elbows, dragging the rest of my body with me into the bedroom. And Betty comes in and I said, I'm going to the hospital. She said, okay, walked out the door, came back and she said, I called Travis, our son, and he's coming over to take you to the hospital. I'm like, no, I want an ambulance. I want to get in the hands of the medical professionals now. <laughs> and so they called an ambulance and um, I think my oxygen level was, was a little low, down 88 or something. Uh, went to the hospital. Um, the hospital was allowing one family member to kind of be the point of contact and so our daughter Shallon was there and um, they admitted me, and I, you know, I was getting, at that point, I was getting texts and phone calls and emails, and I, again, I just felt so awful. I wasn't even answering them from my family, and uh, uh, I, at this point, I need to stop and say, acknowledge my family. My, our kids just went to the nth degree to bless us and serve us. Uh, Travis and Shallon uh, live in the area, and they were in and out doing all kinds of stuff for us, constant contact. And then when I went to the hospital, um, our son Cameron packed a bag, said goodbye to his family in Northern Virginia and moved into our house for the next six days to take care of Betty while I was in the hospital. Thanks. And uh, I didn't even want to talk to my family though. Cameron texted me one day and I was in the hospital and he said, uh, you've got to at least let us know what's going on, you know. <laughs> Are you okay or aren't you okay? And uh, so I did. They tried three medicines, four medicines, five medicines, and I still was nauseous and couldn't throw up. And finally they said, here's a medicine that we use for anxiety for people, and sometimes it works for nausea for people. Ativan, I think that was the medicine. And lo and behold, I got relief. And so two days later, they discharged me from the hospital. And uh, not just my family, but this church family. I can't thank you enough. I have a stack of cards that Betty and I uh, pulled out a couple of weeks ago. And I was reading through them all this morning and so grateful for your notes, your emails, your calls. We had people mowing our yard from the church. We had people picking up medicines for us from the church. 
um, meals, oh my goodness. And Betty and I, in 30 years of ministry, have not been on the receiving end of the church's kindnesses uh, to this extent. And it is amazing. It's just glorious. You, you were the people of God that the Bible describes the church as. And we thank you so, so very much. Um, when I got home from the hospital, I hadn't eaten for all intents and purposes. I hadn't eaten for 11 days. I'd lost 16 pounds. I hadn't seen those numbers on the scales in decades. And it actually, uh, it took me a very long time to get all of that back. I got 10 pounds back and that just stayed there for months. By the way, I don't recommend, recommend that as a weight loss program. COVID, bad idea. Uh, Betty was still not feeling well, still running a, a fever and um, it took probably another three, four days before she started to really turn the, turn the corner. By this time, we're in the second week of May and spring was upon us. And anybody that knows me knows I love spring. In fact, I start saying it's almost spring about November 15th. <laughs> Betty gets so tired of hearing me saying it's almost spring. Spring's right around the corner. Uh, it's coming. See, I think that if I say that, It'll play a trick on the weather and we'll skip winter altogether. So far, it hasn't worked out that way, but I keep trying. And uh, so it was some beautiful weather, um, warm temperatures, no breeze. And we would, Betty and I would sit out on our front porch and just talk. And we live on a dead end street. It's just a beautiful little place. Uh, there are several people uh, on our street who are part of Keystone Church, and some of them would walk by and uh, come up and ask us how we're doing and so forth at uh, Kyle Thomas's Best Western Motels right up the street. So sometimes tourists would walk down there. We just en enjoyed watching the slow pace of our, our little community there and, and talking, watching the flowers bloom and the trees uh, get their leaves. And I think, so we were so weak. Um, you know, we really didn't want to talk to people much and thankfully, uh, didn't happen and our, our daughter I think our daughter Shallon played a guard dog with that making sure that people didn't come and stay uh, every now and then someone would slip through the cracks but we were just very exhausted very tired and we would sleep you know we would talk for a while and then we would sleep we'd have long naps through the days I was back at work for several weeks before I didn't take a long nap in the middle of the day I was just was so uh, so weak and trying to recover but I think in those two weeks when we were recovering at home I said to Betty I think we've spent more time on that porch um, those two weeks than we have the 21 years that we've lived at that house and it was just it was it was wonderful I don't know how else to describe it it was it was wonderful and about two weeks uh, a week and a half I guess after uh, came home from the hospital. Pastor Charlie and his wife, uh, Liz, came over. They brought us dinner on a Sunday evening and uh, didn't stay too long. Um, but over dinner, uh, they ate the meal with us and Pastor Charlie asked me a kind of question that if you've ever been counseled by him or mentored by him in any way, that he gets around to asking in one way or another sooner or later. And that is, what's God been saying to you through this? And I hadn't really 
hadn't really articulated it that way in my mind, but the answer really, the answers had been there. Uh, I knew what to say by then. And I thought for about 20 seconds and I said, he's been saying this to me, not a lot matters. Not a lot matters. And I zeroed in on three things that I thought God was saying to me really do matter. This doesn't mean that nothing else matters or should matter, but these are the most important things that matter. Christ and obedience to him, our marriage and our family, our kids and their spouses and our grandkids. Not a lot else matters a lot. And, you know, just as a kind of a side note, uh, Pastor Charlie always talks about the heat in our lives. The heat meaning the, when the temperature gets turned up in our lives and we have real difficulties in our lives. Heat can wonderfully fine-tune our view of life. Have you discovered that yet? The heat of life, the, the challenges, the difficulties can wonderfully fine-tune our view of life. And COVID was doing that for me. You know, some of you know, Betty and I uh, were planning at that point a huge trip this summer uh, for a month all around the United States. And I had been started, I'd started planning that probably November of last year. And I was spending countless, and I mean countless hours uh, on the internet, preparing the, the route, on the internet, buying uh, gear that we were going to need for that trip since we were living out of our car. And when you think that, <laughs> you know, they say when you go deep sea fishing, you know, you, at some point when you get so sick, you're, you're afraid you're going to die. And then after a while, you're afraid you're not going to die. Have you experienced that? I did that once in my life. And I get it. And that was kind of the way things were uh, with COVID. You know, like this, this, is, this is so, so awful. And that at some point it becomes so, so wonderful. And so I want to tell you just a little bit about what has transpired in the wake of those days. Um, one of the things that I became aware of through those days, you, you know, I had six days Six days where I prayed constantly, and I don't mean every minute, but a lot, God take me home. I, 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 was, I wanted to die. And that will do an, a remarkably effective, uh, that will be in a remarkably effective way of pruning you down to what really matters and what doesn't. And that trip around the United States stopped mattering. And I thought about, what if I would die now? Or what if I would die next year? And I knew I was going to die. What things would I invest myself in at the very end? And one of the things that I was convicted of is my extended family, my kids and my grandkids, that there were times when I was with them that I wasn't really with them. And just as a side note for you is how to pray for Pastor Kyle. Uh, he and I are 
are different people, but um, if you take seriously preaching, that sermon this coming week is always on your mind. Always. And there are some preachers who are extraordinarily gifted that it's, it's, it's almost like they can throw something together in a half an hour or three hours if they're on the spot. I can't. It's not how I'm wired. That's not how my mind works. And I, I really struggle with organizing a sermon. And so the knowledge that Sunday is coming, Sunday is coming, Sunday is coming, Sunday is coming, and that sermon is not together yet, all that, that can be terribly distracting and you can fail to be present with the people that you're with, that you should be. And I realized that that was an issue for me. I was very distracted, could be very distracted when I'm with family. It's embarrassing to admit that with all my family here this morning. Um, and what was really, what's really been exciting to me, I asked Betty uh, the other week, I said, have you seen changes in me in that? She said, yeah. And what's really neat, uh, as Pastor Charlie would attest to, I'm not the kind of guy who sets goals and, and says, and here's the steps to get to this goal. Okay, I'm going to be a better grandpa and a better father or father-in-law and then pursues them. But I really have I've watched God work out Philippians 2.13 in that area of my life in the last six months where it says that it is God who works in us to will and to act according to his good purpose. In other words, God doesn't just tell you to do something and then he sets you off on your own to do it. But he gives you the power by the Holy Spirit uh, to make changes and he also changes your affections. And I thought a lot about, you know, if my life was going to be short, you know, come to the end next year, I, I can't get any of that time back with my kids and my grandkids. Now's the time to capitalize on it and so it's been it's been really neat and one of the pluses of our trip this summer was I came back with my back feeling so much better uh, as I shared earlier and uh, I've continued to walk which we think is the reason for that I did a lot of walking on our trip and uh, so I've been able to play with the grandkids more I actually played capture the flag with these kids one night and I, I, I think all the adults are standing around looking like, what's happened to him, you know? And it was, uh, it was such a blast uh, to be able to play with him like that, physically to be able to do that, but also to, be, to just be engaged like that. The, the key area, though, that, that I would say the blessing that came out of... Um, those days was had to do with our marriage or at least it started to have to do with our marriage and then it went beyond that because many of the porch conversations that Betty and I had those days was about our marriage and um, I've been blessed to be married to this woman as of Thanksgiving Day 49 years um, yeah thank you And I know your applause is for her because she needs a trophy for that. Um, but you think about um, if life was shortened, how many of us who are married wouldn't love to go back and say, I, yeah, I would, I would have made 
times matter more. I would have invested more in that. I would have done this. I would have not done this. And I've shared with you before, about 12 years ago, God really spoke to me about my responsibility as the husband in the home to be the initiator, the one to take responsibility on his shoulders to, to maximize the marriage. <clears throat> it's not Betty's job. And I had done a terrible job of that because Betty and I are both conflict avoiders. And so we would have, if we would have disagreements, we would never really resolve them nor make plans about how to handle things going forward. And um, I remember the day that um, was kind of a turning point for me. I was starting to go there and kind of force us to wrestle with things. And <clears throat> I remember the day that Betty was walking out of my office at home. And we were quarreling about something. I don't remember what. But she was frustrated and walking away kind of in a huff. You can't imagine her doing that, can you? That's just not Betty. Um, and I, I grabbed her arm and I said, honey, I, I don't know how you think unless you tell me how you think. I don't know what you're thinking unless you tell me what you're thinking. In other words, we need to stay engaged until we can make some headway. And so in the years since, I've been, I've been trying to do, be more intentional about that for a long time. A long time's not right, but for a while we'd get together once a week, once a month, and just say to each other, say, what have I done or failed to do or said or failed to say that has not brought you joy in the last week or the last month? And we had ground rules. The other's not allowed to chime in and excuse and justify, but just listen and ask clarifying questions. And it was a wonderful exercise for us. And I think it helped make progress for us. And, but as we're talking on the porch, we talked about, about different things. And I, here's what I said. I, what, whether we have a year left together or 20 years left together, you know, at 49 years, the, the window of time is closing. Whatever time is left, I, I want us to be nourishing our marriage and not just satisfied. Okay, it's pretty good. We enjoy each other. Let's work on it. Let's, let's nourish it. Let's do all that we can to take it from this level to this level to this level. I, when I'm 80 years old, I want to be working on my marriage. So here's the number one thing that came out of that. There was one day I made a phone call, and I said, Hello, Dishnet. I'd like to cancel our subscription. And the lady on the other, other end said, What for? You've been a customer of ours for 23 years. What for? And I said, well, I, I had COVID and I said, I've uh, been having a lot of conversations with my wife and I said, I've come to realize that I, I lose opportunities each week to communicate more with her, to spend more time with her because I'm watching television and she doesn't enjoy television all that much. And so that means that we're not, and we're not interacting. And the lady goes, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> and I said, so I want to cancel my Dishnet subscription. And she goes, but what are you going to do for television? <laughs> As if, what are you going to eat? 
Or what oxygen are you going to breathe? I said, well, we're not going to have television. It was interesting the other day. My wife said something to me that many of you men are waiting for your wife to say. She goes, I miss watching football. (laughs) And I whipped around and I'm like, who are you? You know, we're Washington football team. I get that. It's still hard to get that out. We're Washington football team fans. And it's, uh, of course, Tuesday night, Washington was playing the Eagles. And my daughter and her family, they're Eagles fan. And I called her up and said, can we come watch the game? (laughs) We're TV hobos. And so our son Travis gave us his old antenna we're going to try to mount. And hopefully we can at least get football games. But. But it's, it's been sweet. And Betty and I have talked more and, and just enjoyed each other more. When you take seven hours out of your week, that really, oh, explanation, it's being wasted. Take that out of your week and dedicate it to some things that matter. It, it not only changed in our marriage, but as I said, top of my list is Christ and importance to him. And I discovered about four weeks after I'm back on my feet and the television is gone, that when TV left, so did some other things. And I realized that when I'm driving in my car, I'm not listening to the radio anymore. I usually have talk radio on when I'm in my car. That had stopped kind of accidentally. And I wasn't checking um, numerous news websites some of you know I'm a news junkie and I would check them six seven times a day just to see the headlines and so forth and I wasn't checking Facebook and I wasn't checking Instagram several times a day and and with that stuff displaced it was like I was my spiritual ears were better attuned to the spirit and I I would I found myself praying for this situation and that situation, God would bring something to mind or I would see someone and God would say, pray for her or, or ask this person that you're sitting here doing reading, you're sitting here with other people at the service garage while you wait on your car, why don't you talk to this person, ask him some questions or ask this guy that's selling you this thing, what, what's that cross tattooed on above his knuckle on that finger? It was amazing and I... I, I told some people, like, I, it's, I've seen more answers to prayer in these six months than I've probably seen in years and maybe longer. And, and don't reduce this to a formula. You know, this is the kind of, oh, I wish, the, I wish I could see more answers to my prayer. The bottom line is I think when we are attentive more to what God is saying, we tend to be alert to what he has us to pray about and then we tend to notice when he answers some. And it's been unbelievable. I don't know how else to put it. And it's been sweet. A fellowship with the Lord is sweet. I asked the elders about a month and a half ago. I said, now I've been on uh, Facebook Marketplace a lot. I was, a couple of items that I've been trying to buy over the last several months. And so, you know, I'm checking all the time. Well, that now I'm back at Facebook and Oh, while I'm here, I'll look at Instagram. Oh, while I'm here, I'll check the news site. And I, I asked the guys to pray for me. I don't want to go back to where I was. 
I don't want things that are not necessarily evil to be a distraction from what is really, what really matters. Pastor Brandon and Pastor Charlie often talk about how good things can become great things in our lives. So they can be things that don't matter as much, become, they matter a lot and take the important things off of the table. Let me just leave you with two thoughts that I think really matter. When life is difficult, give God a chance to speak. When life is difficult, give God a chance to speak. I was looking through the cards that you sent us, um, actually this morning, early this morning, and I saw in one of them uh, a note that one of you had written, and in the middle of it said, God is still at work in you and through you to accomplish his purposes. And every time you go through difficulties, that's true. God is still at work in you and through you to accomplish his purposes. Don't assume, don't assume that the difficulty you're going through is, I often, often hear Christians, they think that they've been bad and that's why they're going through difficulties. The Bible does tell us that God disciplines those he loves, but I think the vast majority of things that we go through are not punishments, they are not disciplines. They are simply God showing up to say, I love you enough. I love you enough to remind you once again what matters, what really matters. When life is difficult, give God a chance to speak. And then I'll end with this from Scripture. Reprioritizing is never once and done. It's a lifelong journey. Just as I asked the elders to pray, um, six weeks ago or so, I realized that there's this drift that is not inevitable, but typical. There is a drift that happens to us again and again and again that we have to come back and reprioritize. Okay, what matters or what should matter? Is what should matter, what does matter to me? And I want to read uh, some of Jesus' words at the end of Matthew chapter 6. He says, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? And so he's talking about our preoccupation with, with the stuff that nuts and bolts of everyday life. Uh, you know, for me, it was trying to save money toward retirement. And for you, it might be trying to save money for a house that you really want or you have to replace your car or or new job perhaps uh, and that's the stuff that Jesus is talking about in this text the, the basics of life clothes and money and food and all that but it can be extrapolated beyond that to everything that consumes our time and, uh, and energy and he goes on verse 32 says these things dominate the thoughts of now I don't know about you but if I was finishing that sentence I would say these things dominate all of our thoughts. But he doesn't. He says they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. In other words, his point is these are not to dominate our thoughts. They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father, you followers of Jesus Christ, you believers, your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Checkmate. It's taken care of. And so instead of you being preoccupied with the next sermon 
or money or where you're going to live, who you're going to marry and all that. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I won't bore you with all the Greek details, but that verb seek means keep on seeking. It's not, I've come to faith in Christ, now I'm on to other things. No, it's this keep on seeking his kingdom. Keep on seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. Do that again and again. You might need to reorient yourself this weekend. You might need to reorient yourself next April. You might need to reorient yourself two years from now or twice in one month. God is always calling us. Make Christ and his glory the most important thing. Make Christ and his glory the most important thing. Make Christ and his glory the most important thing. And as I leave this role among you, that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for you. And Father, for all of us, may Christ and his glory matter more to us than anything else on the day when we lie on our deathbed, how many things that seemed significant five years before evaporate? How many projects, how many efforts, how many aspirations that we had set our minds on 10 years before come to nothing in that moment as we prepare to see you face to face? And so help us to Figure out through the guidance of the Spirit and the Word of God what really matters and what really doesn't. And that we'd live our lives for the glory of Jesus Christ, not just in how we behave, but in how we proclaim, not just in who we like, but in whom we treasure. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.